Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 122nd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, cybersecurity, and information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Clio's Legal Trends Report 2020, a look into the future of law. Before we get started, We'd like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. Today, we are pleased to have as our guest, George Saharis, the Chief Operating Officer at Clio, specializing in customer success, business development, and data operations. George has worked extensively with law schools, bar associations, and other legal professionals to help make information on cloud computing and law firm economics increasingly accessible. He's also fluent in Greek, a skill he'd love to use as Clio expands its global offerings. It's great to have you with us today, George. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. When we attended the October Clio Cloud Conference, Clio CEO Jack Newton said, we've moved 10 years into the future in 10 weeks, which was a very memorable line, which I have stolen frequently since that time. Um, can, can you explain what Jack called the Teutonic shift in the practice of law? Yes, a great opening section. So, you know, like other industries, we found that the legal profession took an unexpected and quick toll earlier this year. As soon as many shelter-in-place orders or other pandemic measures were taken in most areas and in most geographies in the United States, legal took an immediate impact in terms of the net new business they were seeing and needed to react both to remain operational, uh, but also to continue serving new and existing clients uh, as we embarked and embraced uh, the initial impacts of this, uh, this pandemic. And so one of the things we were able to study in the 2020 Legal Trends Report was that lawyers began adapting much more rapidly, uh, in particular in their use of technology, than we had ever seen uh, in, in recent times. And it, it prompted us to really think about the fact that we were seeing perhaps the next 10 years of technology adoption that would be happening at what you may consider to be its organic rate, uh, get accelerated very, very quickly by the, uh, the circumstances of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so we saw lawyers adapt and embrace a digital first mentality and at the same time, we saw consumers and their expectations and requirements uh, adapt as well. So we saw both lawyers and clients looking for the same things in terms of technology adoption. Uh, and those firms we believe that were the best at adapting to being tech-driven, but also client-centric, uh, were those that moved ahead and uh, were able to adapt most quickly to this large shock that we saw. You know, in our analysis, it wasn't so much seeing things that we never expected to happen in the profession it was seeing them happen much more rapidly. Hence the, the perspective that the next 10 years happened in, uh, in a matter of, of weeks uh, as opposed to uh, years. George, we were both fascinated by the, the data that from the, the Legal Trends report that, that was released uh, at the same time as the conference back in October. But one thing that certainly jumped out at Sharon and I was the, the increasing numbers of, of clients and lawyers that have reached a conclusion that the old brick and mortar offices are not so important anymore. 
Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the stats reports contained uh, addressing that? Yeah, that was a really interesting observation area where we weren't quite sure what to expect. And so one of the data points we collected is, is something that in, in the stats industry is called a, a max diff analysis, but effectively it's a, a ranking of preferences. And we asked lawyers and clients to comment on the same list of preferences ranked from the things they consider to be the most important uh, to the things they consider to be the least important. And so typically when we do our legal trends report studies, we find and report on these big gaps. You know, lawyers are off, often in one uh, area in terms of their sets of expectations and, and how things should work. Clients are, of course, uh, on another page and uh, with slightly different expectations of, of both the lawyers, but also how their experience should work. And for the first time in, in the 10 years that I've, I've been working at Clio and in the five years that we've uh, been doing this analysis, we saw those expectations converging. And of course, right at the top of the list uh, were both lawyers and clients looking to drive referrals and reviews. Right at the bottom of the list was bricks and mortar office spaces mattering. So for the first time, we saw both groups saying that that was the least important thing right now and, and potentially in the future. And what will be interesting to observe is you know, the pandemic, the shock of the pandemic definitely drove some of these behaviors and responses, but we do believe that we won't see things go back to what we considered normal before. So we had about 21% of firms already operating without a commercial office space, uh, 7% saying that they let go of their office space since the start of the pandemic, and 12% more saying they're unsure if they're going to maintain commercial office space in the future. Rounding some of this out were observations on what we were going to use the space for. And so about 69% of consumers said they preferred to share documents, for example, electronically. Uh, 65% saying they preferred to pay electronically through online payment methods. And even 37% saying they preferred video conferencing uh, when meeting their lawyer for the first time. And that's certainly very, very different from uh, you know, patterns and behavioral preferences that we saw uh, prior to the pandemic. Well, I certainly want to say that you need to tell uh, Jack Newton that the, having this legal trends report, this has really been useful as a marketing tool for him, not only because of Clio, because people like us who lecture a lot, we now have in our future of law presentation, three slides from the report. So <laughs> I, I really think that that was a stroke of genius because we're not really, we're not pumping up uh, your actual product, uh, but nonetheless, you're getting lots of great publicity. So I, I always appreciate a good mar marketing initiative. But you got a picture of Jack there too. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah Jack, Jack, Jack or Chloe, somebody sent me a picture uh, of Jack, which is just wonderful. And so that's even a separate slide with that quote about 10 years in the future. So, um, so Jack's doing very well by his marketing. Well, that's, so, that's great, Sharon. Hey, listen, we're, we're humbled that you'd feature us uh, and uh, would have us included. Well, it's it's great it's great data and people really do enjoy it and it really since most of them were not at the conference it's it's a great way to learn about how to prepare for the future and and speaking of that you know that we are huge proponents of the cloud and and we've been saying forever the best time to get on the cloud was five years ago the second best time is today <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so when when Jack did an interview with me during the Clio conference he said the cloud has become table stakes. I also tend to quote that line a lot because it's a good one. But can you explain to our audience what he means by that? For sure. Well, over the last 12 years that you know, Clio has been in development and, and 10 years for me, as I mentioned, one of the observations we've had is that switching to running your practice in the cloud is often still looked as being innovative, being ahead of the curve, being forward thinking and, and standing out from your peers. And 
through the course of this pandemic, really with the, the rapid nature of the change, that whole point around 10 years of evolution happening in 10 weeks, it's kind of gone from being something that gets you ahead of the pack to just being table stakes. And it's table stakes in terms of client expectations. When clients come to a law firm now, they're not expecting to have in-person exchanges be at all the, the main way that they interact with their law firm. It's also becoming table stakes for how lawyers and law firms expect to operate in, in serving their clients, both first, of course, out of necessity, but increasingly out of preference. And what will we expect to stick around uh, post-pandemic, hopefully with the exciting news we have around vaccines and so on? Uh, we're not there yet, but once we, we return to or kind of build a new normal, you know, it'll be interesting to see some of these behaviors stick around. And in our study, we found three particular areas where despite, and maybe I'll back up a step here, overall, the months since the beginning of the pandemic have not been great from a business perspective for any law firm. There'd be some that have outperformed their peers, but for the most part, the industry as a whole has taken a big hit. New client intake, uh, you know, matter volumes, revenues have all struggled to rebound from initial impacts that were both pronounced and, and immediate. Now, despite that circumstance, our study revealed that there were firms that were significantly outperforming their peers. And when we looked into the data and published some insights, we found that firms that were deploying technologies in three particular areas were outperforming the pack in a very significant way. And those were firms that were deploying an online intake or CRM tool. This is a customer relationship management that helps you respond to new inquiries uh, and manage uh, interactions before someone has retained you as their lawyer. There are firms that were deploying online payments. They were getting paid much more quickly uh, and more uh, predictably uh, than their peers. And then finally, uh, there were firms that were using online client portals, so secure methods of exchange to have folks do things like sign documents, uh, exchange messages, get updates on, on their cases. All of these things replace what could have been perhaps in-person interactions with someone coming to the office or coming to the firm. And the impact was substantial. So for those firms, we estimated that over the course of 2020, their fee-earning lawyers would bill 40% more or as much as $20,000 per lawyer more than their peers. And uh, at Clio Cloud Conference, I, I kind of posed this to the audience as we were broadcasting, what would you be doing right now with 40% more collected revenue? Probably a lot of things, and it would go a lot of way to helping all of us in this circumstance, but that is uh, the, the extent of that difference. And it's kind of what points to us that embracing the cloud, moving your practice into the cloud and taking advantage of these benefits is very much table stakes. Yeah, the way I the way I sometimes put it, see if you agree, is that if you're not in the cloud, you can't even play the game because you don't have table stakes. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. Great. Well said. Not even at the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, for years and years and years, Sharon and I have been trying to recommend to lawyers that they, they need to be moving to the cloud. So that's a great segue. But the, the pushback has is, is typically been that a lot of them feel it would jeopardize the, the client's confidential data by moving it into the cloud. But So how would you address that, that concern about cloud security? Yeah, a really important point and, and part of what law firms obviously need to think about with the ethical obligations they have to their clients. So at Clio, uh, we have a dedicated security team with more than 40 years of combined cybersecurity experience. Uh, and they're available to us uh, 24 by 7 by 365. So basically, you know, full time uh, to respond to any security incidents or, or vulnerabilities. In addition, we continuously monitor for potential vulnerabilities and review updates 
to our code and system configurations to ensure that we're right in the head of the pack and that our, our customer data is, is always protected. Uh, a big one for us is that we apply what's called in-transit and at-rest encryption uh, using industry best practices. So these would be protocols like HTTPS and TLS. Happy to, of course, expand on those further uh, for folks or, or to direct them to information on those. But these are encryption practices that ensure firm's data is stored and transmitted securely. And then we also uh, deploy a series of uh, certifications. So our web interfaces are, are verified by Digicert, which is a, a trusted security authority. We also deploy really high uh, internal standards for code quality, code reviews, and things that uh, prevent uh, vulnerabilities from ever occurring in, in the first place. So, you know, one of the things about the cloud that I think does uh, matter a lot and it can be a value add to law firms is firms like Clio are spending very, very deliberate and dedicated and extensive resources on guaranteeing security and, and enforcing these practices. At the same time, the, the effort level, the economics of trying to do this on your own as a small or even mid-sized practice is much, much more difficult. You're there to practice law and be excellent subject matter experts and, and serve your clients. Uh, and so it's always important to get professional support, certainly, uh, where applicable, but also part of where uh, cloud applications can really help is having folks whose full-time job it is uh, directed at these things so that you don't have to uh, focus on those. And, and that's usually what we tell them, too, is that the cloud can protect your data better than you can. <laughs> a lot of servers still in closets plugged in that uh, I run into over the years, I'll tell you. <laughs> usually with a rat's nest of wires, too, cables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Clio is really an extraordinarily successful example of a cloud-based case management program. Can you talk to us just a little bit about how Clio addresses cloud security? Because I think it's, it's poorly understood, especially in relation relationship to cloud-based case management programs? Yes, absolutely. So over the past 12 years, we've had the opportunity to both learn from, but also engage in the conversation around security and ethics in cloud and making sure lawyer, lawyers feel uh, safe and, and informed uh, in, in storing client information in the cloud. In terms of our specific best practices, both for law firms, but also in general, some of the things we can recommend are Creating and implementing a data security policy, very, very key. Continuously training staff on mitigating data risk. Even things as, as key as using strong passwords and, and encryption at all times are really, really important. Securing communications and having access controls seem like, a, you know, table stakes are obvious things, but quite often uh, take a deliberate and, and focused effort. There is a process around uh, conducting regular audits uh, and internal reviews. Those are both internal uh, but also using external uh, auditors and, and folks to review processes. Uh, there's a, a very careful process deployed in vetting vendors and third parties carefully. There is an emphasis also on mobile device management that is really, really key, where we encrypt and uh, secure uh, any the kind of devices involved in, in running a firm like, like Clio, but also in, in just as applicable in legal practices. And of course, there is training involved in building knowledge and security awareness uh, as well around the, the human factor, as it's called, in data and security circles. So always having people being security conscious and having that front of mind is a really important piece of, of what we do. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PI Now 
understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up to date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is Clio's Legal Trends Report 2020, a look into the future of law. Our guest is George Saharis, the Chief Operating Officer at Clio. George, in, in ILTA's um, tech survey this year, the respondents said simply, cloud with every upgrade. That, that was kind of the, the theme. And that was a trend across all different sizes of, of firms. What do you think about that plan to to move to the to the cloud? I think it's a it's an interesting one, and certainly, you know, taking down a big problem and uh, breaking it into achievable parts is is always really smart and uh, a key part of that strategy that I, I really appreciate. It reminds me that the shift to cloud based services, both in terms of lawyer experience at firms, but also in the client experiences that are delivered, are kind of much more than just a coping mechanism for the changes and stresses of twenty twenty. They're there are things that are here to stay, and so I love the uh, the permanence of the advice. Like get moving on the change and, and have it be a you know one way trip. I think uh, another important consideration there is the need to work remotely that has driven the online transition that many law firms are seeing uh, take place. And you know, for what it's worth, legal professionals are more resilient. Uh, they've got better work life balance, and they're better able to provide service to their clients that they're proud of uh, in the studies that we do and in the information we were able to publish in the Legal Trends Report. So. Quantifying that a bit, 68% of legal professionals are, feel they're more prepared to handle the impact of future waves of, of COVID-19 or, or something similar. 58% of legal professionals say technology has improved their work-life balance. 68% of legal professionals say technology has helped their firms deliver better client experiences during the pandemic. And the vast majority of legal professionals say they'll continue using these technologies beyond the pandemic. So 84% of them saying they could serve their clients even better with more parts of their practice automated or, or available in the cloud. Those are really, really interesting to see. And they're certainly very different uh, from the data points we've been able to collect prior to, to the pandemic. And bringing that back to the insight from the ILTA 2020 tech survey, I think every step a firm can take, cloud with every upgrade, cloud with every change, uh, is, is key in getting them there. And for you know even mid or, or large size firms, I would say, even if client experiences aren't pulling uh, the change to the cloud as much as we see them in solo and small firm practice, do consider the impact that it has on the employee experience you're providing. Uh, you know, each new generation of lawyers entering the profession and, and joining firms is arriving at it with, you know, a certain set of expectations of what their work-life balance, but also their ability to work remote, uh, their ability to engage in tech will be like. And I think this is going to be one of those transformative impacts that's going to be much faster uh, than it would have been without the disruption of the pandemic uh, moving forward here. So very important to consider and as the Ulta survey pointed out, if you can't do it in one go and uh, have so disruptive a change, make efforts to uh, to definitely upgrade uh, and move into the cloud one step at a time. Well, that same Ilta study showed that 50% of respondents had their email in the cloud or that it was going to head there soon. The stat, though, that really fascinated us was that only 6% of large law firms were using Microsoft 365 or Exchange Online, but 55% expected to adopt it or one of them within 12 months. Why do you think that large law firms have been so slow to make this move when 52% of the small law firms were already there? 
It's a very interesting insight. <laughs> I, I think that moving to a platform like Office 365 certainly requires users to stop using their old email platforms and transfer all of their previous emails. Of course, these larger firm, the larger the firm, the larger this body of previous work and emails that needs to get moved. But uh, that would include, by the way, emails, contacts, calendars to the new Office 365 mailbox. So, you know, one of my guesses would be that this is a pretty resource intensive ask to move users out of their old system and into the new. And, you know, it's never a good time. <laughs> and the larger the organization, of course, the uh, the bigger the challenge, right? Uh, the bigger the disruption. And in a large firm, you know, the wheels will get turning right away around time is money and uh, calculating a dollar value of the disruption. So it's one of those things that's difficult to build momentum around. But, you know, the appeal for me would be the longer you procrastinate it, the longer that disruption builds up and the inertia is around making the change. So, yeah, very interesting insight. And that would be my uh, my take on what we're seeing there. <laughs> well, it's a very, very good take. And it's, it's <laughs> funny how long it takes the large law firms to get there. But, you know, there's, there's this technology. It's called a migration tool. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, 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 it doesn't take a lot of brain power to run that. Anyway. <laughs> Jack Newton, he's he's long been a proponent of the the client centered law firm, which which happens to be the the name of his, his book. But George, why do you think that that's so pivotal to lawyers these days? Great question, John. I think one of the things that over the years of doing our legal trends report studies that has jumped out to us the most is how unaware, not unintentioned, but unaware lawyers are of the experiences their clients tend to go through. One of the biggest parts of this digital revolution, this, this switch to being cloud-based across all of business, not just in the legal profession, but across all of business that we've seen is that it puts the client experience in, in the forefront. And in legal, uh, we see a tremendous opportunity, but also you know, the general standard lag behind the experiences folks are having in, in other professions or even in other parts of the economy when, when they go in and buy stuff or get advice. And so we've described this as a better normal for us as being cloud-based and client-centered. So having cloud technologies be the foundation and having client-centered experiences and service be the, the focal point of how they're delivered. A great saying is that the future of legal is already here, but just not evenly distributed yet. <laughs> so we certainly see this happening, you know, in many places and, and across the board, but it's, it's not evenly distributed and that it's not yet become the norm uh, of what clients can expect. And I think... There is a mentality, uh, a change mindset, a growth mindset often uh, that we talk about that is required to proceed simply implementing the technology tools. This is one of the, the key pieces that are brought up in, in Jack Newton's book, The Client-Centered Law Firm, but also one of the big opportunities uh, that we see out there. Client experiences win. Firms, as we mentioned earlier in the interview, that deploy client-facing technologies and deliver experiences over them aren't just kind of feeling better about themselves, but they're they're making a lot more money in this moment. They're collecting 40% more revenue per lawyer. So clients are responding to that with their dollars. And the key, key piece I think it removes as we continue to go through an economy impacted by the pandemic here is friction around clients engaging with lawyers. So one of the areas that we talk about a lot is the access to justice gap and how a recent World Justice Survey project found that about 77% of what could be considered legal problems go without legal advice. Now, most of us are acquainted with how many of these problems simply can't be served in, in the current cost model that we have, and that it's often a, an issue of willingness to pay or access to funds on behalf of clients. And there are folks in the pro bono and legal aid world, worlds doing incredible work 
uh, to serve those needs in, in society. Above and beyond that, though, I'll say that there is a very significant portion of this underserved market that either doesn't know they have a legal problem, still has willingness to pay, just not around exactly the way that we do things with the billable hour today, or often just turns away because of how hard it is, how much friction there is in finding lawyers and retaining them for their services. That piece is the one that is dramatically unlocked by those firms that master online client experiences, cloud-based client experiences to be specific. They can remove the friction and the difficulty and make it more comparable to what they experience when they order that Uber or order something on Amazon Prime. They're that much more likely to make sure they power through and find a lawyer and, and retain their services. And that will drive a ton of opportunity but of course, it's a, a change that uh, will be a, a difficult one to, to navigate for folks, as it is a big one for many folks I know out there who are uh, practicing lawyers. Well, I just want to mention that the uh, the book, The Client-Centered Law Firm, is available on Amazon for $19.99 and, uh, in, in a soft cover. And I happen to know that because I own the book. Um, <laughs> but you can get it for, I think, $5 less or something in a Kindle format. But I wouldn't recommend that because it's this is the kind of book where you want to take a, some notes and do some highlighting. And I never find it as easy in the Kindle as I do in a, a soft cover book. But one of the things I noted when I took a look at the reviews was one of the reviews came from our friend from the UK, Professor Richard Susskind. And he talked about focusing relentlessly on the needs of clients and ceaselessly improving client experience going forward. So I thought those were you know, a couple of very apt and eloquent phrases in a review. And we mm -hmm. suspect you agree with all of that. Can you give lawyers an example or, or examples of how they might do that? Yeah, you guessed it. Big, big fan and, and proponent and supporter of that perspective and happy to, uh, to dive into that in a bit more detail. So yeah, the, the journey there begins with uh, a virtual event that we hosted actually featuring Richard Susskind and uh, his son, Daniel Susskind, who co-authored a recent book with him on the, the title of our session was COVID-19 and the Future of the Professions. And though timelines are unclear on exactly how this is all going to happen, we know that life will start to at some point ease back into perhaps not the same, but a new normalcy. And uh, both Suskins took you know, some time to shed some light on what this process might look like. Their uh, description of that revolves around something called the five phases of recovery for professions as it relates to the global pandemic. Recovery, as we know, is a process and the Suskins helped kind of understand what we can expect and how to emerge as one of these top law firms. And of course, this ceaseless improvement of client experience was identified as, as the key place to start. And so a couple of the insights that we have that can help drive, or I know it's a very broad topic, right? And the listeners are for sure hungry for how can we focus? How can we zoom in? I think a, a general way to, to think about it is in driving client experiences that result in two things. First, in inquiries that get responded to. You know, in previous studies, one of the things we found is it's actually really hard in, in the pre-pandemic, it was, I should say, really hard in the pre-pandemic market to even get a call back from most law firms as industry responsiveness levels and service levels as they relate to getting back to folks who could be a, a prospective client were quite poor with 60% of inquiries when we tested a thousand law firms going unanswered altogether. So quick sidebar comment for me there, we're not talking about rocket science here. 60% of inquiries going unanswered is, is something that's pretty low-hanging fruit, at least in, in my opinion, for us to improve upon. And it's not always a matter of doing something really, really super sophisticated. And I know there are challenges that get in the way of being able to be responsive, 
But these are places where cloud technologies, automation, uh, and different tools can really, really help. But I think that is one very, very focused area where most law firms can do better. And it's also the first point in which the client experience begins. Do they even get a call back or is it an easy process to get an answer to their inquiry? Really, really key first step. A second area that we found over the years past is delivering client experiences that drive reviews and referrals. I know these are forever the bane of most folks' existences. They can be quite frustrating when they don't go the way they wanted, but also when clients seem not to have experiences or results that meet their expectations, we know all too well that they will uh, take to the internet to be heard. On the flip side though, there are ways to control your destiny here and to get those positive reviews and referral business. And the key steps to that in my mind are mapping the steps of a client journey, setting appropriate expectations along the way, and delivering on them. It's not often or always a requirement to drastically exceed expectations. It's more important to meet them. So for example, if we do an intake with a client, get started with whatever the legal matter might be, and then don't communicate them for a while, their heads are spinning in narrative. What's going on? I haven't heard an update. That person just take my money and not get back to me, you know, in a worst case scenario, for example. If we redefine that interaction and say, okay, there won't be development on this for the next three or four weeks. I'll schedule a time to follow up with you then and set that expectation with you. If you don't hear from me in the interim, feel free to log into an online client portal and see what actions have taken place on your case, if any. But know that if there's no update there, that's okay. Uh, and also what you can expect from us. It just dramatically transforms the client experience in simple ways that we find are much more likely to meet client expectations and result in those positive client reviews and, uh, of course, referral or repeat business. So if I had to pick two places to really, really prioritize, I'd zoom in on those. And of course, part of the story with cloud-based technologies is that they all function to make this stuff easier. It's not possible to be in two places at once, to be in court and picking up the phone when someone inquires, but there are ways to use automations and tools to deliver information and experiences to clients uh, that make it better. Well, time passes quickly, and here we are in December, George. <laughs> what have you seen happening since the October conference, and are there any new ideas for lawyers and law firms who are still struggling through the pandemic? It has passed quickly, John, and I, I can't believe we're at this moment uh, two weeks or so out from Christmas. It's uh, yes. it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> yes, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's time for that yet. But uh, you know, since October and in the rapidly evolving world that we've seen, look, obviously the news of of vaccines coming up is is very in, you know important and a light at the end of the tunnel for many. Although we need to of course, uh, temper our expectations on how quickly things are going to happen. But I think the big ones that we're seeing are more and more folks committing to either hybrid or remote environments for their legal practices, especially in the solo and small firm segment. You know, the, the more we get into this, and even from October to now, we're seeing more and more firms commit to being either hybrid, part-time, uh, you know, virtual. And the big thing I'm seeing is this split between transactional interactions with clients and with each other and completing work at the firm, switching to being largely online and asynchronous, I should say, too. So interacting by messages or in portals or in mobile apps. And on the flip side, high value human interactions being prioritized, you know, for now, uh, for Zoom calls or, or FaceTime type video calls versus asynchronous interactions. And those would be points like meeting a lawyer for the first time and, and doing an intake. Uh, and of course, learning about the legal aspects of, of a case. So when someone needs the real download of you know, what is the situation that I'm in, 
uh, we find folks veering to and seeing those as being high value moments to do synchronously in person by video. And, and we'll see how that, of course, adapts uh, once uh, it's safer to get back together again. And with that said, all of the adjustment we've seen to fee- people switching to doing many things online. So these would be things like electronically sharing documents for signature, electronically accepting payment in firms for the first time, uh, electronically collaborating over a platform, some mobile apps, uh, as opposed to you know a phone call or even an in-person meeting every time there's an update on the case. I'm seeing adoption of that continue to expand rapidly, uh, and I don't see it going back from a, a predictions perspective. There will, of course, be some folks who always prefer uh, doing things in person, but there's a whole bunch of this stuff that suddenly got more convenient. We've got thrust of trying it for the first time. And even from October to now, I'm, I'm seeing that develop uh, quite rapidly. Well, we're seeing exactly the same thing. Um, and we certainly want to thank you for being our guest today, George. I think this was one of the most uh, practical podcasts out <laughs> there because, of course, what everybody's looking for is where's the crystal ball for what's going to happen? What do I need to start thinking about doing that I'm not doing now? And there was a lot of this in this podcast. So thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to join you, Sharon. And John, thank you so much for having me and uh, looking forward to connecting again soon. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or an Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at SENSEIENT.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.